On today's episode, we speak to the creative director of GE's Monogram about how to romance your audience. Now, I know in marketing, we love metrics, we love data, we love KPIs, but the idea of something touchy and feeling like romancing your customer, romancing your audience may feel intangible. But if you think about the most successful brands, they're the ones who are able to move past that rational discussion and move to an emotional connection. The most successful brands are ones that are able to relate to people on that deeper level, which is why I'm really excited about today's show because we're gonna dive into some really simple tactics and strategies that you as a manufacturer can apply to your marketing and sales efforts to not only connect with people more effectively, but to see sales growth from that relationship. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. We have a very exciting show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about future trends, what's happening in the industry, as well as how you can market more effectively to the entire channel. We are really excited to welcome an interior designer with a rather impressive resume. And we do have to say that he started as a Hokie, which adds to his resume for sure. Richard Aniskevich, welcome to our show. Richard is an interior designer specializing in the luxury kitchen space. He is with Design Galleria out of Nashville, and he is also the creative director of Monogram. He's been given incredible accolades, including awarded Best Large Booth at KBiz 2019. Richard, we are so pumped to talk to you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for uh, having me. I love you know the immediate community of our Blacksburg connection here uh, with Virginia Tech and whatnot. So really excited to be on the show today. Excellent. Well, let's kick things off. I mean, you've got quite an impressive title, Richard. I mean, frankly, it's probably the biggest title. Not to like, you know, you know, hit your ego too much, but like <laughs> m- probably the most intense, impressive title we've seen on the show. Okay. For our listeners, tell us, tell us what you do and how you have time <laughs> to do all of it. Well, good question for sure. So I'm very fortunate uh, to just be extremely passionate about this line of work. It's always been, you know, something that has been a part of me ever since I was young, being creative and kind of the art and design space. So I always knew specifically home design was, you know, something really important to me. But, you know, so I've been extremely committed to this line of work. And through that, it's opened a lot of doors along the way. So I'm very fortunate to be based here in Nashville, Tennessee. I relocated here about a year and a half ago to join the team of Design Galleria Kitchen and Bath Studio. Design Galleria has been based out of Atlanta for over 40 years. And they brought me on board to bring their new space and showroom to life in Nashville. So we have a 4,000 square foot showroom that I was a part of obviously designing and bring to life here. So it's been a really exciting adventure to be the lead designer with Design Galleria, but also with a extreme, you know, honor really to be working with Monogram Appliances as their creative director. I've worked with the brand very organically over the last four to five years now, where I attended a training out of their Chicago showroom. I met a lot of the team. There was just a genuine connection. They were very interested in a lot of the things I was doing professionally. And we started working on different initiatives with like continuing education courses. And again, through the years, it just started growing. And so now to 
formally be given the title as their creative director. It's really a dream job and something that I'm, you know, beyond grateful for because I've thought about this type of role for a long time. Um, So being able to work with them on, you know, really anything creatively, product launches, marketing initiatives, developing the look and feel to the brand. I'm actually sitting in a monogram kitchen here in my new showroom which very much has a certain feeling that we try to evoke in the monogram, the ideal monogram kitchen. So there's showrooms across the country rolling out right now that are inspired by a lot of my designs. And it's intentional that when you walk into those space, you know the look and feel of a monogram kitchen. It's certainly elevated, it's always luxury, but it has a certain palette and warmth to it that we want people to connect with. Very cool. I think, you know, one reason why we're excited to have you on the show, Richard, is a lot of times we will bring on like an interior designer, we'll bring on an architect, we'll bring on, you know, even a manufacturer, but you are straddling a bunch of different types of roles. I mean, I don't think we've ever had somebody on who almost, you know, you you are an interior designer and you're also working for a manufacturer of sorts. And so I'm really curious to get your take on, you know, first, if we could dive into what you see that's happening in industry. And granted, you really specialize in the kitchen. A lot of the manufacturers we have listening to the show they do have products that go into the kitchen. We also have products exterior, interior, part of the different parts of the home. What do you see that's going to happen this next year that manufacturers need to be aware of, especially if they're thinking about how can they make sure that they're putting out products and positioning those products the right way? Sure. I mean, I think in general, one thing that across the board we all know very clearly is with this era of time of a pandemic and whatnot, people being in their home has really helped our industry because I think people being stuck at home quickly realize like, oh man, I need to update this, you know, this room or whatever, right? So I think across the board, everyone is very busy, but that's come with its own challenges because when you have manufacturers that can't operate at full capacity, but you have this extreme demand, you know, we're running into lead time issues and, you know, like real challenges that I think people are having to be really creative of having to kind of overcome. But with that, I really wholeheartedly just am passionate about this idea of increasing the lifestyle value in a home. And that's something bigger than dollars and cents, right? When you can realize that with your investment in your the space that you live in and how it should relate to the things around you in your life, that's worth something, right? So I think all too often the general consumer is spoon-fed these ideals of like, are you going to get your return on investment? And it's like, we can't be short-sighted to realize that that investment is only gained by the, you know, the dollar, right? And so that is something that, you know, I really am passionate about kind of helping people see that or realize that, that there's other ways to get that investment back just in your general lifestyle and realizing that these materials, you know, how often are you opening a refrigerator on a daily basis? How often are you turning on that faucet? I mean, the Um, The quality of these products matter, you know, the story behind these products matter. And so I think the general consumer is, you know, gaining an awareness there. They're willing to invest in their lifestyle more than ever before. And those are things that, you know, we're just continually trying to help, you know, the consumer see that. I really like what you're saying, because it's not just return on investment. It's also about experience. It sounds like you're placing a lot of emphasis on experience, because part of what you're investing Mm -hmm. in is 
this is something I'm going to engage with not just once a day, which would be enough in itself. But I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say I probably open my refrigerator 15 times a day, right? Like you go in there, sure. you see what's there, close the door, lower your standards, open the refrigerator again, right? Like we all, <laughs> we all do that. Sure. I'd love to hear how, what you're seeing as the general consumer kind of shifts as we're spending more time at home and even like projecting trends because I believe we're not going to live in a pandemic forever. I'm holding out hope. What are you seeing and how are you, what conversations are you having either as part of like your position in design Galleria or as you're having conversations with Monogram, how are you projecting for the future and what demands are you seeing come down the pipe? When we think about the timeframe now, if anything, it's just put a further magnifying glass on information or trends, if you will, that we already knew existed. That's a great way to say that where we know that the kitchen space today is not the space it was, you know, so many years ago, so many decades ago. The kitchen space specifically was that strictly utilitarian room. And now it's so much more than that. It's multi-purpose. It's dynamic. I mean, that's a home in general, but I mean, really when we hyper-focus on that, the kitchen is way more than just that utilitarian room of preparing food, right? Especially now, again, that extra magnifying glass of office space, school space, um, you know, this is entertainment space. Like there's so many things happening in this hub of energy, you know, as far as a room. So when we think about those spaces, we just have to be realistic to the fact that there's so much more thoughtfulness and, you know, design and purposefulness that we have to really put into this room. So when we're thinking about, there's a ton of parallels from what I do at Design Galleria to what I'm doing at Monogram, because we're focusing on this room. We're just trying to add a layer of what I call, it's really, you know, a thoughtfulness to the design, where when we think about appliances and they're really just trying to appeal to lifestyle habits. So, you know, a lot of people are very influenced in a health and wellness story, right? So how are we developing technology to, you know, better implement those, uh, those needs or wants? Um, we're also telling a sustainability story. I mean, we have to be realistic of like natural resources out there in the world are, that's changing and evolving and we have to adapt to those things. And then we also want to think about just the way that these rooms are looking different. I mean, the more that we can, in a very sophisticated way, integrate appliances and make this, again, feel like a living room where you're not walking in and seeing this huge bulky refrigerator sticking out at you. You know, we want these rooms to be beautiful, but also highly functional. So we're always striving to hit that balance of true form and function in these designs as well. Richard, you, you know, obviously won that incredible award at IBS. And I'm curious to know, you know, with trade shows not happening, how are you finding out about new products? Like, how are you sourcing? How are you discovering? What does that process look like? And, and where are you going to find out about, hey, you know, what's happening in industry as well as is a, could a product be a potentially good fit for one of your clients? Sure. I mean, the power of technology, it really runs our lives, as we all know. You know, the World Wide Web or the Wild Wild West, whatever you want to, <laughs> you can Google and all of a sudden everyone becomes an expert off of that information. So there's always a little bit of a double-edged sword there with like certain consumer information. But 
the reality is, you know, that's a huge toll right now. Obviously, the fact that we're all able to even share this experience together. So there's no question that tapping into the technology side. But then, you know, I've just been really fortunate through the years of like hustling and getting out there and meeting people through time that now I just have connections to a lot of different manufacturers or brands that, you know, they're keeping me informed, right, on certain what's kind of coming down the pipeline or, you know, different things. So I always call it the synchronicities in the world. You have Mm -hmm. to be aware of synchronicities. And, you know, synchronicities are these ideas that if you're aware and kind of in tune, you can start to actually predict and see trends as they happen um, because it's all intertwined. So I like to look at other industries not just the housing industry or design industry. So for example, you know, we can take the idea of a brass faucet, right? Which so much time ago, we, people were like dying to rip out of their home. It was like this passe thing, right? But if you're paying attention to the synchronicities, you know, we can all relate to so many years ago in the clothing and jewelry space, all those silver accessories and jewelry was starting to get changed out for gold. And then it it transferred into home goods. And then all of a sudden cell phones started offering like golds and, you know, cars. There was this gold influence or gold accent. So all of these industries were late and kind of, you can really see how these trends form through time. And that's just something that I'm really passionate about kind of trying to identify or follow along, you know, and now we see brass in the home space taking on a totally new form. It's fresh. It's beautiful. It's a much more contemporary take on brass. It's either unlacquered or it's brushed brass. It's much more of a modern form and it looks amazing. There's always kind of that full circle or lifespan on a lot of these materials. And that's why, you know, I love identifying that and kind of watching those things because you really can identify them if you're being aware and kind of in tune. So if you're a manufacturer, if you look at the synch- those synchronicities right now, there's been a lot of shift and change. I think, honestly, we're all sick and tired of talking about how much things have shifted and changed over the last 12 mm-hmm. to 18 months because we were there. Yeah. But I mean, speak for yourself, Beth. You, Sorry. Okay, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but so as you're looking at those things, those synchronicities, pandemic, pandemic, like maybe that matters, maybe it doesn't. But what would you tell manufacturers if you're planning to launch a product in five to 10 years, this is the things that you need to have, the space that you need to concentrate in, the demands that you need to respond to, what would you, what advice would you give them? I mean, the reality of, I think any manufacturer that we can all relate to is, and maybe the general consumer doesn't even, I don't know if how aware people are of this, but like as soon as a product hits the market, there's something bigger and better yeah. behind it. Yeah. I mean, that's already underway, right? And if there's not, there's kind of an issue there, right? Like the brand isn't being progressive enough or thoughtful enough because the world is ever evolving. So the sheer amount of time it takes to actually bring something to full fruition and production, you know, there's already better technology or better ideas. So I think something that's a really powerful idea that we all can relate to is thinking of how products can evolve given the overall investment being made in them by the consumer. So for example, working with Monogram, there's a whole new oven series where they have 
basically this, these integrated LCD screens. Well, the technology in those LCD screens are able to be consistently improved upon and updated. So think of it almost like on your phone, you're updating that technology in the sense of being able to get the newest operating system. So it's the same thought process, right? So I think in the sense of manufacturers, we have to be aware of like the idea of how can this product have longevity to it, right? And stay relevant. And so um, there's no question that the way that we integrate technology, you know, is a facet of that thought process. But, you know, depending on where you are, what you are in the sense of a, a product, I still always, what's tried and true and will never, you know, be something that is dated or whatnot is peeling back to the foundational principles of good design, like symmetry, balance, proportion, scale, like all of these things are through time, you literally can still identify. I mean, back to like the Greeks and the Romans and things of like these true principles of design that are undeniably what makes something relevant or classical, right? So sometimes I think all too often manufacturers are out there like almost trying to find that edge or their, you know, their angle. And there's a fine line to walk there because you can put something out that's like extremely trendy for a moment, but then what does that really do for your brand and the the longevity of it, right? It's going to be like that passe thing that people are thinking, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Right. And so it's like, where do you find that balance? Because you want to gain awareness and and kind of find your moment what's going to stand you out from the crowd. But there still has to be kind of these classical principles that have to be applied to the product in order for it to, again, stand the test of time. And I think whether you're a designer or a manufacturer, we all still can relate to this idea of like, will this stand the test of the time? Will this be remembered? Will this be, you know, impactful or beneficial to someone's life? These are real things that we have to internalize and I, I really feel like if there's a heart and a thought process behind it, like those are the stories that people really resonate with and latch on to. And it's important you have to be able to articulate that story and have people understand that. Outside of the monogram, who do you think does a good job at that? Like what other manufacturers do you see out there? You're like, mm, that, that's, yeah. they're pretty good. Like who, who do you look at and you respect? I've always had a ton of respect for the Kohler company. I really think that as a conglomerate and as a family, the Kohler family, they've done a phenomenal job at always keeping, again, this relevance and just being a leader, you know, the way that they, they know their brand so well that there's always a look and feel, a fit and finish. Um, There's always a progressive technology story behind it. So I think that they do a phenomenal job. I'm also a big fan of the Cosentino family and and brand. I think that, again, they just really understand, you know, a global perspective and are very relevant in the sense of the way that they um, launch new products and, you know, are always kind of progressive in that nature. So, you know, those are definitely two that certainly come to mind. If I can pivot our conversation a little bit, Richard, I would love to hear, you know, from your perspective about marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. You're partnering with Monogram. Their MO is, yes, they want to make great products, but they also want to make money. 
Yeah, sure. I'm curious to get your take on marketing trends. Like what marketing strategies and tactics do you see that are working to market to people like yourself, as well as architects and builders and developers and, and those in the construction space that other manufacturers can learn from? Sure. Well, you know, one of the big things that I kind of touched on before is you have to know your story and you have to be really calm and articulate in that story. You know, what sets you apart, who you are, you know, again, the look and feel to the brand, every detail matters. I mean, I'm so big on this, whether it's I'm designing a kitchen space for a client or again, I'm working with a brand to develop some sort of product. I mean, the weight and feel of something, the you know, way that you engage with the product. I mean, all those things matter, but at the heart of it, again, there's a thought process there. And if you're articulate enough, then there's a story to be written, right? Where you have to be able to tell that story. And I truly think of it like a storybook and kind of, you have to romance this product or idea for people to have some sort of emotional connection to it. Because if there's not, then there's no real connection or brand identity because, you know, there are certain brands that we all can relate to, whatever it is in your life that you go to the shelf and you pick that product. There's a reason behind it that you pick that product. You have some sort of emotional tie to it, whatever it is. Right. And so I feel really passionate about being able to tell those stories um, because it's just something that I kind of like nerd out on in design of like, getting really deep and kind of almost philosophical with some of how these things have come to life. And I think it's just something that's intuitive to me and what I still to this day, I'm super appreciative about is when I get a client or, you know, a manufacturer see that. And I don't even necessarily, it's not even intentional. It's just a part of who I am and the the story that I'm telling. And I want them to see how exciting or great this is. So you have to know what your product is. You have to believe in it because if you don't, like it's not going to sell, right? Like people have to understand the story. You have to be excited about it. And that's the biggest kind of piece of it that I think people oversight sometimes. What I like about what you're saying is a lot of times we think about marketing, like, Hey, how do I get in front of my audience or how do I like target them or how do I get them to take action? And one thing we talk a lot about on the show is that it's typically not the tactic that is causing a problem. If things aren't performing well, it's typically the message mm-hmm. or the messaging. Sure. And what you're saying is actually the story. I think that's really important because you can, you know, have great looking imagery or great looking marketing or advertising can look really great. But if I don't know what the narrative is around your brand, it's not really going to resonate with me on an emotional level, Totally. which I think is really, really important. I mean, you talk about this, you know, you were mentioning a monogram kitchen or monogram space. Like you want people to know that it's a monogram space because it elicits a certain feeling. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily think about that. They're like, how do I get my product in their hands versus how do I create an emotional relationship with them or emotional reaction, if you will. So I think that's super smart. There was a really powerful Cadillac vehicle ad. Their tagline was, when you turn your car on, does it return, you know, that, that feeling mm. like, does your car turn you on? Like you turn it on, does it turn you on? Right. It was like the message and it's kind of cheeky, but it was like, it was really powerful when you think about it. Right. Of like, that's true. Like you should have some sort of connection to this 
thing, right? And it should speak to you in some way, whatever it is. So I always try to help my client realize that like your space has an impact on you, the way that you feel, your mood, light, natural light, the way that light engages into a space, the way that, you know, objects are placed or is everything stored away. Like these are all things that can truly affect like as humans, the way that we feel and the mood that we have. And there's a whole psychology there that I think all too often we kind of take for granted of like, again, just turn that faucet on. We're not thinking twice about it, but there's a deeper story to be shared. I love that. I do too. Yeah. Richard, man, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. For our listeners, if they want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Probably the most direct way is through my Instagram account. So I'm at Richard A, the number two Z. So my last name is Aniskevich. It's a bit of a tongue twister, but everyone calls me Richard A to Z because it starts with an A and ends with a Z. So I'm at A to Z on Instagram and any of my social media channels. That's probably the most direct way to get in contact with me. Obviously, doing a lot of really interesting initiatives with different brands and people out there. Um, so you can certainly tune into that. You can also always shoot an email at info at richerliving.com. So that's Richer, R-I-C-H-A-R. It's a playoff of my name, Richard. Um, so info at richerliving.com, R-I-C-H-A-R, living.com. Um, that's always, you know, ways to get connected as well. Certainly always very eager to meet other passionate professionals and people, you know, in the industry or, you know, general clients. Um, we're constantly doing business and, and, you know, design work out there. So always looking to connect with others. It's been great. Richard, thank you so much again. We'll make sure we link to your email and the website you mentioned in the show notes. And for our listeners, if you like this content, make sure you go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Poppinglove. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Thank you, guys. 